a sorrow. It is uh, 18 minutes to 12, and uh, we're going to be joined now by uh, Patrick Freder, who is Asia Editor at Variety, our entertainment correspondent. Uh, how are you, sir? Nice to have you back on the show. Good morning, James. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, yes. Yeah, I know you've been travelling yep. a bit. You, you, you travel all over the world, don't you, for, uh, for Variety, and visit various film festivals and other ent- entertainment conflabs? Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. Uh, a lot of festivals and markets taking place at this time of year. Uh, just been in Busan, which was which was uh, Asia's biggest film festival, and that was back in f- at full strength, and that was great to see. Yeah, I guess you know Hong Kong's still lagging behind a bit. Uh, you know, the return to the, to, to normality, um, but film festivals are in in full effect, aren't they? Uh, all over. They are, very much so. I mean, it, it feels like uh, it's been the year of everyone getting back together again, um, showing, showing, showing films and, and talking about uh, doing business. Um, though I must tell you that uh, having been to some of these film markets recently, there's more talk than actual deal-making. I'm not sure how much cash is uh, being exchanged across the desks anymore. And why, uh, why, why is that? I think deal making happens year round and people have got used to uh, the ability to show each other films uh, online that they, the business send each other uh, links and 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 streamers and, and mm. streaming uh, clips so you know the business can now be done all year round but I, I think uh, it's been a very in- instructive uh, last few months where people realize that beyond the deal making you you know you, planning films planning releases um strategizing actually needs to be done uh, in person rather than on zoom meetings so this is kind of a networking opportunity these film festivals and and perhaps hopefully enjoying the films as well right well I'm, i agree with you Net- networking sounds ter- terribly lightweight um <laughs> but I, um that's it's just a one round of parties and champagne but i know you live the life patrick we you, you don't have to cover it up that's... well I'd, I'd love i'd love to deny it but nobody <laughs> would believe it <laughs> For sure. Well, look, tell us about that. Um, you know how how the box office is across Asia at the moment. You know how are films performing? Are are people going to the cinema? Well, that's a really interesting question. I mean, you played twenty five twenty five a moment ago, and I think some people are in, in the industry are now beginning to wonder whether that will be the year finally um, that the box office ever recovers back to pre pandemic levels. Um, here in Asia, we've seen um, cinemas opening up in different phases at different speeds, um, and audiences have responded mostly um, quite strongly when the cinemas have opened, and then things have tailed off again. It's like it was a surge of enthusiasm, um, uh, which has then subsequently died off in some parts. I'm happy to say that Hong Kong seems to be enjoying something of a mini boom. It's been a year of uh, or rather a half year of uh, quite successful local hits and um, there have been four or five and if you look at the top five chart uh, I think there are three Hong Kong films in there at the moment and um, you know some of them are broken records uh, Warriors of Future is, is a record breaker um, Mama's Affair has been in the charts for weeks and weeks and Table for Six is still there Hong Kong's actually doing really, really well. Um, but that's kind of the standout. Mm. Um, is that... China, um, is, 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 go let ahead. me interrupt you for a second. Is, is that um, boom of local films in Hong Kong because there is a lack of international films? You know, I mean, walking around Hong Kong and sort of seeing uh, the cinemas, the only film I've noticed recently is uh, is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Yeah. You know, is, are there any other international films here at the moment? 
And there are plenty of international films in, in Hong Kong. Uh, that's different to, to, to mainland China, where there have hardly been any international films released for, for months and months. But Hong Kong has actually um, got, it's got a slightly different phenomenon because a lot of those films which we just mentioned could have been uh, Chinese New Year releases, and they've been delayed, mm. um, and, and they've come into, in, into theatres much later. And they've performed very well. And, and I think a lot of people are trying to div divine the, uh, and understand the, the reason for that. I, I think there seems to be a surge of local Hong Kong patriotism, if anything, and uh, that, that's quite 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 good to see because there's been many many clouds over the Hong Kong box office and the Hong Kong film industry for the last um, two or three years. You mentioned so the downturn. Actually, see them performing is great. Yeah, you mentioned the downturn in China. What what is that down to? Is that you know still because of COVID, presumably, and but also in Korea, it's not it's not um, come back, right? China's had, China's got a very special set of circumstances. I mean, yes, the the Korea the the uh, COVID controls are very strict. Um, and that is, you know, there's hundreds of people uh, in cities that are locked down or, or in, into provincial travel that you can't do these days. So that's that's part of China's problem. The other problem has been that there's a huge uh, lack of re releases, both local and foreign, for many, many months. And the box office is now uh, about 35% down on last year and more than 50% down on pre-pandemic levels. So that's that's a very special set of China circumstances. Korea is different altogether. All and there have been a lot of local movies powering up the box office um, for a couple of months over, over the summer, which is always a very strong period for cinema in Korea. But since the autumn, it's really dropped off. And even films which are doing doing relatively well, winning top, coming top of the box office like Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Mm. The, num the numbers are very, very small. They are a, a fraction of, of what you would have expected uh, them to be before, if you compare them with pre-pandemic levels. Um, and I certainly made that comparison with, with Black Panther. Now, talking about Korea, you know, you just mentioned that you're just back from the Busan uh, Film Festival, mm. but generally Korean entertainment is still booming, right? Korean entertainment is the hottest thing on the planet, it feels like, mm, mm. Um, in terms of music, uh, TV drama, and, and, to, and to perhaps a lesser extent film. But, um, of course, the, um, the, the, there's one of the biggest uh, hopes in the Oscar race from Asia is a Korean movie. It's called Decision to Leave, and that played at Cannes. It, it released theatrically in Korea, did pretty well there, and is now rolling out its uh, international campaign everywhere. Um, and they are campaigning very hard for their Oscar, um, or an Oscar. Um, they are both nominated in uh, the Best International category, which is one where every country nominates one film. And we would expect it to be nominated in some other categories as well. Now, BTS has done uh, well in the Grammy nominations, <laughs> right? Third year running. <laughs> yeah, I mean that they do seem to be leading the, the the Korean music wave, don't they? That that's really holding up, surprisingly, I suppose. Well, perhaps I don't not. Know if it's, I don't know. I don't think it's surprising. I, I think both the film industry and the music industry and and the TV industry 
uh, their success has come as a surprise to some people and uh, you know the the extent of that success is really really big in places which um, were never previously exposed to or particularly in love with Korean content I'm thinking parts of Europe and so on Um, but the industry infrastructure has been there been built up over decades now so there is there's a almost i hate to call it a factory but there's certainly an industry supporting and building and, and building the next acts and and if the, the technology has been built to support this and that the korean companies have really uh, latched onto fandom and how to nurture that uh, in, in a way that i don't see any other country has truly mastered I mean, Japan had a go at it a few years ago, but it, it never seemed to take off in quite the same way. You know that uh, that fandom thing. That well, that's that's probably true. Um, but I'm I'm still thinking that going back to our earlier topic about the, the box office, uh, Japanese anime is doing fantastically well. Um, it, it, it is one of the most recognisable entertainment products in the world. And it's having huge local success. If you want to be successful as a streamer or broadcaster in Japan, uh, you're going to need to have a, a large slate of anime sh- uh, shows. Um, and at the box office, uh, you know, this has been the year of Japanese anime. Um, One Piece Red, Dragon Ball Super, um, Shin Ultraman have all topped the box office. And back uh, over the la- latest weekend, um, as a new film called Suzume, I think that's the correct pronunciation, by uh, Shinkai Makoto, um, who's had two enormous anime hits in the last five or six years. Um, and he's done it again. Um, and his film opened incredibly strongly and uh, pushed Black Panther Wakanda forever into second place, um, a long, long way behind. Patrick Freiter is uh, uh, editor for Variety in Asia. And, uh, you know, Patrick, you cover all of these stories from a from a mm. news perspective, and I guess one that's uh, stuck out uh, in the last uh, short while has been this uh, film called Joyland. Um, tell us about the, this, and what exactly is the film, and why why has there been so much trouble about it? Yeah, well, I saw this film in in Cannes, where it had a, a world premiere in one of the side sections of the of the main festival. It's it's, it's a film. Um, it's, uh, it's a Pakistani film. Um, probably the first one in Cannes in a, in a serious position in, in the festival. Um, and it's about a, a boy in, in, in a very traditional family who strikes up a relationship with a transsexual um, dancer and, and perhaps even falls in love. Um, and the film is incredibly well made. It's also actually surprisingly conservative. And, you know, it looks at how... Um, it, m- uh, modern uh, thinking actually disrupts conservatives, uh, people, mm. and, and, and traditional society. So it's it's certainly not all about being gay or being transsexual. Uh, it, you know, it, it's a family it's a family film from a different angle, and it picked up uh, Pakistan's Oscar nomination a few weeks ago, and has been backed by uh, Malala, the activist, the female activist, um, and she's come on board the film as an executive producer. And then over the, the last few days, we heard the rather surprising news um, that the, the Pakistan government had banned the movie. Um, it was not going to get a release in, in Pakistan because it was um, too, uh, too immoral, 
and uh, right. that could or should have scuppered its Oscar chances. Immediately, a lot of people jumped into action, saying, "No, no, we can we can get the film qualified for the Oscars um, by doing theatrical releases in other countries." And then I think perhaps feeling that they might have put themselves in a rather strange position, the Pakistan government yesterday uh, reversed itself again, and the film will get a release now in Pakistan. There always seems to be some um, contra- controversy around the Oscars, doesn't there, <laughs> one way or the other? Um, uh, you know, I, after the debacle at uh, uh, the last Oscars and you know things like this, it, 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 it's always a hotbed, isn't it? It's a made-for-TV spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> and someone's going to make that, uh, that TV movie if they've not already done so very soon, I'm sure. Um, so. Patrick, thank you very much. Um, James Marsh will be on The Brew in about 20 minutes, giving us a, a rundown of some of the uh, big uh, films and productions that are coming out at the moment. And he's going to be talking about the uh, Netflix show 1899 and films The Wonder and Fast and Feel Love. So James Marsh on with Phil Whelan on The Brew. Uh, Patrick, thank you very much for joining us. We much appreciate the update from uh, the world of what's going on in the entertainment business. Cheers, mate. Thanks, James.